It's the Winning Ticket Podcast, where having fun is minus 1,000. Here comes the money. That's right, everyone. Here comes the money indeed. Uh, of course, the voice that you're hearing right now is Dean of the Winning Ticket Podcast, um, as you heard from the intro. So I'm just going to repeat everything that that said. But no. Anyway, wanted to get out our weekly episode. I think these are going to turn into more of a bi-weekly episode because the last time that I did it, um, it got a, got a lot of good fanfare there. But people were complaining that I only did about three days out. I think that the reason is I want to be really careful about making things official, um, you know, four, five, six days out, just mainly because the lines could change so much. You're going to hear a little bit later. I'm going to talk uh, team specifics, and a lot of it is predicated on what happens tonight. For example, I'm going to have something about Kansas in a little bit. They're playing tonight. So, um, you know, if they blow out Oklahoma State, then that's going to change the, my betting strategy for this Thursday. So, going to be um, another weekly episode, and the reason why is, of course, the Super Bowl just ended uh, last night, I'm recording on Monday right now, so I'm going to be looking ahead for the next three days, and um, there is no better time to bet college basketball, mainly because a big event just happened in the Super Bowl. People either have extra money in their accounts that they're going to throw a couple crumbs on the names that they recognize, like the Kentuckys, the Dukes, the North Carolinas, things like that. Or if they were a Super Bowl loser, they're going to be um, trying to just throw money, kind of same thing, same teams, uh, teams that they recognize, maybe some mid-majors that they recognize from past years. I wouldn't be surprised to see Murray State kind of um, get juiced a little bit more. Of course, people know that John Morant has left, but they might think, oh, it's just such a good program. So it's going to be interesting. This is a great time to bet other sports because everyone else is trying to scratch their heads right now and try to find an edge. And by you listening to this podcast, you are getting that edge. So another thing that I want to mention off the top, and then I'll get right into it because nobody wants to hear me talk for an entire hour. Um, Another thing I'm going to address is the NHL. I know that there were a couple plays that were um, almost implied that I was saying, hey, you know, if Team X wins on Friday, back them on Sunday. So things like that, of course, without an actual pick service um, like our Slack channel, which we have officially sunset it's going to be one of those things where you're going to want to join the patreon um i don't know exactly if we're going to be doing exact picks or anything like that so if you are looking for picks from us of course you're going to have to come help yourself ask us reach out to us on winning tx pod on instagram and twitter of course we all have access to the accounts and uh we will pretty much answer you of course if we know i know that we had some people kind of posting like a 11 team parlay saying what do you think uh, I'm sorry, we're not going to be able to help you with things like that if you're throwing in, you know, uh, La Liga side B teams, and uh, it's just out of our expertise. And that's that's another thing. We come to you guys as experts and fans. Uh, you guys are fans. We're fans too. But um, we really are trying to take this to the next level and be, and be experts ourselves. So it's one of those things where if you're asking us something outside of our expertise, you know, at that point you might not get. Um, don't you can't expect us to, to have a doctorate in every single sport. Um, it just so happens that we have great coverage because we're all great minds. And speaking of great minds, I know that we're you're going to get another NFL episode. There's a lot of quarterbacks on the move right now, and of course we want to give uh, Zach and John primarily. Uh, the opportunity to kind of sing the Bucks' praises. Of course, Tampa having an amazing year um, as far as the Buccaneers winning the Super Bowl, the the, uh, Tampa Bay Lightning winning the Stanley Cup, and the uh, Tampa Bay Rays making the World Series. It's a a fantastic city. I've actually been there a couple times. Um, Very nice, beautiful spot. So if you live in Tampa and you're a homer, uh, you're having a great year. Um, Maybe that's the new title town. But, of course, we're going to have an NFL episode Coming up pretty soon where we can kind of rehash where we went wrong in the, in the Super Bowl. I definitely don't want to harp on wins and losses. That's not what we do here. It's all about what we do today. And today I got a jam-packed episode for everyone.
So similar to last episode, I'm going to start out with some evergreen concepts. Uh, basically, this is one that I'm pretty sure I covered, but I just want to really hammer it home. I really look for the team styles um, before placing my bets. Um, I, I went through all the point breakdowns of what I look for in like, you know, uh, a six to nine and a half point favorite as opposed to a six to nine and a half point dog, things like that. Um, but definitely one thing that I want to say is uh, shot selection plays uh, a huge portion. And I specifically like to take teams with high two-point percentage and take more twos and threes um, in certain spots. Of course, if you are laying 18 points and you don't shoot threes at all, of course, that makes um, you know covering that number all the harder. So um, definitely want to, uh, and during these this little evergreen portion, I'm going to call out specific teams. So um, you might want to jot down some of these notes. And then, of course, too, I want to mention uh, teams coming off of the COVID pause. I know Action Network had uh, posted something that was extremely cool, um, showing a graph breakdown. I believe it was a part of their betting edge thing, which you have to pay for, uh, definitely. Um, I don't believe that I do, but uh, I think it was in the freebie area. But basically, that, that means that teams coming off a of COVID, or rather the, their findings were that teams coming off a of COVID pause has an additional 2.3 point disadvantage on average so far in a normal tempo game. So there's a lot to unpack there. It's one of those things where the length of the shutdown matters. And also, um, there are teams that sometimes get a pause, um, and it's just strictly because the, their opponents are canceling the games, not them. I'll give you a good example. Right now, currently at the date of recording, Michigan has been off for a long time. It's because they have multiple positive cases in their program. They haven't played in a long time. Illinois by virtue of that, are not playing them on Thursday, which would have been one of my biggest bets of the season. But yeah, Illinois is not playing Michigan now. So now they are off until February 16th, so another eight days from now. So in that time, Illinois are still going to be doing basketball-related activities. They're going to be practicing. They're going to be running scrimmages. Actually, I noticed that when teams run a bunch of scrimmages against each other, um, iron sharpens iron, especially when you take a team like Illinois, where they have multiple five and four star recruits. So I'm going to be looking to back Illinois when they come out of this pause. They're going to get bored of playing against each other and they want some real competition to beat up on. So I would suspect them to cover. Conversely, when Michigan comes back, depending on who they actually schedule, I will be fading them because they will have been off for, I don't have it in front of me, but I believe it's something like 20 something days. And uh, I want to get into some some actual things that just happened, um, Cincinnati was just off for 25 days, and uh, funny enough, it actually bucked the trend. They were off for 25 days, they had one team thing, I think it was a 5-on-5 practice, and then after that, what did they do? They win at Temple, and then win at Tulane, so it's one, or Tulane, uh, sorry, my, I, I, you know, I get a lot of crap from you guys about the way I speak, um, it, you know, it's no accent, or at least I don't think I have an accent, but yeah, maybe it's just an impediment and not an accent. So um, Tulane, Tulane, however you say it, uh, they they lost, but they did cover. Uh, they were a six-point underdog. I actually watched that entire game. But yeah, Cincinnati's one of those teams where they should have lost. Um, now I think they're overdue. Hint, hint, up. I got to play on them later. So want to get into some team-specific stuff. And of course, I'm going to be building um, some segments as the season goes on. And I do these solo episodes. Um just want to spotlight uh, a few teams. It, let's just say that you haven't placed a single college basketball bet this season. I want to kind of uh, give you the quick rundown here. Um, the SEC is actually pretty good at basketball besides their main blue chip, Kentucky. Um, Alabama, Missouri, Tennessee, all, all these teams are actually pretty good. I want to talk about Alabama really quick. Um, 
They are a team that I would typically fade because they shoot too many threes, in my opinion. They're having an incredible year. Honestly, if I were to start the NCAA tournament today, I think that they should be a one or a two seed. Maybe not a one seed, but definitely a two or a three. Um, Saturday, they played against Missouri, who's also a very good team. I, I believe they're actually ranked in the top ten now. Um, they were down 20 with six minutes to go. Everyone turned the game off. They went on a 21-2 run. Um, they're bombers and also number two in adjusted defensive efficiency. Um, of course, they're coached by Nate Oates, who's the former uh, University of Buffalo coach. Uh, that team, I believe, upset the DeAndre Ayton Arizona team. I could be My history could be wrong. That's just off the top of my head on memory. Um, I do remember that game in the NCAA tournament. But anyway, Nate Oates is a great coach. Um, Alabama's a very good team. You want, you, you're going to want to circle them. They have some easy games coming up. I looked ahead. I forget who they're playing, but it's a pretty, it might be Vanderbilt. Uh, I believe I was seeing some seven and a half. So it might be one of those things where if you feel so inclined, um, I don't want to say bet blind, but Alabama's typically a good team to back. Um, especially because they just came off a loss. Then, uh, I believe they lost two out of the last three. So it's one of those things that they're going to be hungry for some wins to kind of get back in the mix of it. Tennessee is another team that I personally love. I picked them to win the SEC this year. They're definitely one you want circled. They're number one in adjusted defensive efficiency. They have a great mix, in my opinion, with two five-star freshman guards and two great senior bigs in Fulkerson and Yves Ponds. Definitely did not say that right, but anyway. Um, they are one that I've been tailing all year. I think you should too. And funny enough, little inside baseball, I was going to record this type of episode last Thursday, but I didn't want to step on our Super Bowl episode. I know a lot of people were football-focused. I didn't want to uh, come in over the top with some plays. And how would I would have – I have the notes from it still. I could uh, definitely post it if you guys don't believe me. But I was backing Liberty. Their game got postponed. But then I had Virginia Tech minus 3.5. They won by 4. And I also had Tennessee over Kentucky. Going to be talking about Kentucky in a little bit. But, um, yeah, Tennessee actually had a 40-26 to 26 second half. Uh, they kind of blew the doors off of them and came back from down, I believe, 12 or 13 at the half to win that game outright. If you were live betting and got them plus 275 like I did, then congratulations. And then the last team I want to bring up is Loyola Chicago. Yes, the, that annoying team with Sister Jean, or endearing team if you like Sister Jean. I personally have no opinion, but anyway, um, they are... Amazing. They're top 12 in Ken Palm, which is funny enough, they made the Final Four a couple years ago, and during that year, they were number 32 in Ken Palm. So this team is almost 3x better than that team, um, if you are so inclined to follow that logic. Um, yeah, it's one of those things where they play uh, amazing defense. They have a really good, um, I forget what year he is, but they have a really good player in Kurtwig. So uh, Loyola Chicago is one of those teams that you're going to want to definitely keep circled, and funny enough, they are playing against a team that I always talk about, and that is the Drake Bulldogs. They were the betters, darlings all year. They were 18-0 against the spread. They are now 18-2 against the spread because they didn't cover and then they lost. So it's going to be one of those things where Drake at home now two against the best team in their conference. It's going to be interesting to see how that shakes out. Um, that'll have implications for their conference tournament, which is called Arch Madness, and, and it's because it's held in St. Louis, which is actually really fun. And regardless of what happens in that conference tournament, I really think that both teams are going to be uh, NCAA tournament bound. And it's, it's funny, I was trying to rack my brain, trying to think, um, you know, Drake, despite being um, the figure they split against Loyola Chicago, they'll probably be, you know, 20-3 and three 
by the time this is all done, um, they might be like a, an 11 or 10 seed. I think that that'll be really nice if they're playing against a very overvalued, inflated uh, 7 seed. So definitely going to be circling the Missouri Valley Conference uh, for the NCAA tournament coming up. But guys, that's enough of uh, the kind of high-level stuff. Let's get into the, what everyone came for, and that's the plays. So let's get onto it. That's right. Who do you think you are? I am. Let's get into the plays. And honestly, I'm going to come out hot out of the gates. This is one of my best bets. I was thinking about making this the game of the month for me, which is something that I really try to stick to where I put, um, I believe my game of the month right now is six units. Uh, my game of the year, I try to pick one per season, and that is ten units. So I will definitely let you guys know. Some uh, game, game of the year last year was actually shot my load very early in November, and that was the Washington Huskies playing in a neutral against the Baylor Bears, who had great preseason expectations. I know this isn't the play, so I'll, I'll make this very quick. But anyway, Washington, with a bunch of freshmen playing in Alaska, had a little bit of home field there, and they ended up winning. And then Baylor, of course, won the next 16 games, and we're going to be a number one seed for the NCAA tournament. So it's one that I actually kind of had them uh, pegged early, and then I, I won money on them all throughout the year. But anyway, um, my game of the month will more than likely, especially if it opens at this, it will be the Arkansas Raz Razorbacks versus Kentucky. I'm taking Arkansas. Right now, I saw some pickums and I couldn't believe my eyes. I saw minus ones. I couldn't believe my eyes. Of course, you guys know the rules. Anything under one possession, I'll just take money line. I'm going Arkansas as my best bet of the pod right away, Tuesday, February 9th. If you're hearing this, you're going to want to get on it right now. Of course, you guys know how, how bad Kentucky is. They are name value alone. It's kind of what I was saying off the top of the podcast. People that won during the Super Bowl are probably looking and they're seeing Kentucky as a home underdog. They're going to rush to that and probably juice them and go, oh, yeah, you know, they still have Coach Cal. Great. Let's go ahead and back them. It's, uh, it's one of those things where this is not the Kentucky of years past. They're pretty bad. Arkansas is actually really good. They are um, top 20. They're, they're, they, they're flirting with the top 25. Uh, I don't know why I worded it like that. But anyway, they're 26th in Ken Palm in pretty much all the rankings. Um, by the time you're hearing this, they might actually be ranked. Um, Arkansas, they have an impressive resume. Their only losses being Mizzou, which I covered off the top as being a good team. Alabama, which I covered off the top as being a great team. LSU is a top 10 offense who they lost to as well, and then Oklahoma State, who have the consensus number one pick in Cade, Cade Cunningham in the draft. Uh, you're going to remember that name because he's going to get picked first overall. Arkansas has a top 20 defense. They run pace. They have great depth, actually, uh, getting a couple senior guard transfers, or maybe not guard, but um, I'm, I'm, of course, thinking of Vance Jackson, a former who was really good last year. Um, yeah, it, it just goes into, you know, the depth that Arkansas has. I think that they're definitely going to be tournament. Oh, well, they're absolutely tournament bound. I think that they're even looking around and thinking, why not us, especially if it gets to the SEC tournament, they might be able to win that. That could kind of boost them and get a little bit of a higher ranking. Um, yeah, I think they're going to blow them off the floor personally. And I know that's, that is a strong thing to say about Kentucky. But then again, when you think about my next line, um, I really like this up to three. If it moves beyond two possessions, then, I think that I'm going to look at it a lot more suspiciously. I think that it, it'll be something that has happened, uh, maybe an injury, maybe something that uh, we don't have access to at the time of recording right now. But, of course, um, if you're going to place a big bet that I know that I am, you, you might want to try to consult us before doing that, um, of course, at winning TAX Pod. But as of right now, Arkansas, pick them, one possession. If they're minus 2.5, uh, 
um, and you feel more comfortable, like I said on the last episode, if you feel more comfortable backing them with the spread as a, and you want that minus 110, or if you don't mind, uh, you know, a minus two, minus two and a half will probably be about 130, 135-ish, anywhere in there. If you, if you have no problem doing that, I'll probably be taking the money line. But yeah, we, let's go with Arkansas tomorrow, on, which is Tuesday, February 9th. Also have a bonus game for Tuesday, and this is one that I really think, like I, I am projecting a lot of uh, public money to come in, so I really want to see where these uh, lines kind of take things. Um, but a bonus game on Tuesday that I am circling is Colorado State. I have minus 16. I'm not really too sure what this will actually open as, but um, it's really a fade spot on New Mexico. They're horrible. <laughs> they are uh, sub 345 in uh, offensive uh, adjusted efficiency. They're only wins. Get ready for this one. They beat Rice on the first game of the season, who I think are a pretty good team. But then since then, they won against San Jose State, who lost their best player midway through the year to the transfer portal, and Dixie State, who were a D2 program last year. Uh, Colorado State also has a really good home court, like I always talk about. Elevation and travel matter a lot in this. Going into this elevation, uh, New Mexico really can't score at all. Um, yeah, like I just said, 347th in adjusted offensive efficiency, which is funny because there's only 347 teams playing this year. So they're dead last in adjusted offensive efficiency. Um, what happens? Why do we look to back heavy favorites? Well, first of all, they're home, check. And then they're also excellent at free throws and inside the arc percentage. They're 21 in two-point field goal percentage, and they're top 20 in the nation in free throw percentage. So the Colorado State team, I have no problem backing them. Their defense is actually really good, and I think that they're going to really bother this terrible offensive team too. The only way that this doesn't cover is if New Mexico somehow bucks the trend and they end up scoring a lot, which, you know, I think the odds are telling us that they definitely won't. They really haven't played good against even worse opponents than Colorado State. I think Colorado, even if they overlook them, they might be able to win this game by 20. Um, if if they don't and they focus on them, I think they, they, they could win potentially. They could probably double the spread. So it's going to be very interesting to see um, what this opens as. Of course, at the time, the odds aren't up yet, but I will be looking to back Colorado State. Of course, I got minus 16. Um, I think I really wouldn't go above, you know, 18, maybe 18 and a half, somewhere around there. But I will play this at 16 and lower for sure. Um, anywhere above, you know, 17 and a half, I'm going to have to really think about it. But that's my little bonus game. And the reason why it's a bonus is because I really don't have uh, a good indication on what that will open as. Going into Wednesday, February 10th, uh, this is another one that's a little bit controversial here. Um, I will be backing the alma mater of a lot of uh, people that I know and love. Um, it's actually where Zach and John both went to school, and that is Rutgers plus seven on Wednesday. I'm going to be quick because we are an NJ-based pod. You can't officially bet on Rutgers in this state um, unless you have one of the offshore books, um, that kind of thing. But I definitely wanted to mention it because I know that we have uh, listeners in other states as well. I know that we have a big following in Indiana, so shout out to you guys if you're listening there. But yeah, Rutgers plus seven at Iowa. Um, yes, they have Garza, who's going to be the player of the year, but besides that, it's the same old Hawkeyes. No defense and no two-foul participation. Actually, very interesting. Um, Fran McCaffrey, the coach of uh, the Iowa Hawkeyes, uh, he actually is the worst at two-point, or excuse me, two-foul participation, meaning that if anyone, regardless of who they are, gets two fouls early in the first half, they are more than likely sitting for the rest of the half. Um, that could be a good live betting opportunity if you do live in another state. Maybe it's one of those things where you see, um, you know, a key player like Garza gets two quick fouls. 
um, you could maybe then go ahead and take Rutgers. Let's just say they're losing, you know, 10 to 10 to five or something. You could maybe take Rutgers like plus like 13, 14, something like that. Um, especially if you know that Garza is going to be sitting you. I don't know if any books have live player props, but you're definitely going to want to go there and uh, kind of live bet accordingly. Iowa, um, they're currently in a one and four skid. Um, now, granted, they play in a very strong conference, so all those are conference losses. You know, no one's really going to fault them against uh, losing against Illinois or anything like that. But at the same time, they still are one and four. They're compiling the losses here. Um, I think that Iowa will win outright. Of course, they're playing home against Rutgers, but I, I, I don't see them winning by more than two possessions. Especially, you know, they got some injuries with C.J. Frederick. Like I said about the uh, two foul participation is one of those things. And also, fun fact. So a lot of times I mention, you know, this team is dead last in this category and things like that. Well, there's nowhere to go but up, and Rutgers is actually terrible at free throws. They shoot at a 60% clip. It's one of those things where it's a very low bar, so it's an easy one to exceed. If Rutgers makes even a couple free throws, let's just say, you know, in this game that's that's getting priced into the line. Um, let's just say Rutgers, you know, goes uncharacteristic and hits 70% of their free throws. That's only 10% more. Um, this line really should be like Rutgers, you know, plus five and a half or so. So Rutgers at seven, I think, is great. I wouldn't go below two possessions. Um, like I just said, six or five and a half, I think, is a little bit uh, too low. And, of course, anything above this is gravy. And also, if you feel like that much of a gambler, you might want to throw a little bit on the money line um, just in case, you know. I think that that's a little bit too much. Um, for Rutgers to go into Iowa and win, but of course, if everything breaks the way that I was saying, you know, let's just say there's two there's two fouls early on Garza, or two fouls on on another role player. I think it's one of those things where Rutgers could definitely be in the driver's seat the entire game. And my second Wednesday game will be UNC Greensboro. Uh, they are now going home to face uh, Fer the Furman Paladins again. Ken Baum has this as a two point spread, um, but to be fair, Furman were a three point. Favorite, I think it closed around four, and they ended up winning 68-49. to 49. That game just concluded um, a couple minutes ago. So it's one of those things where I'm going to apply the principle that I have where even teams kind of split these back-to-backs uh, pretty much all the time, and it's going to be one of those things where I think Furman and UNC Greensboro are pretty much neck-and-neck uh, neck here. Of course, UNCG, they are 21 on the mid-major top 25. I believe Furman are also, also receiving votes. So after this shell shock, um, I think that they might be in there too. Of course, revenge on the mind here. Uh, UNCG losing a game in the SoCon, um, a team, uh, excuse me, a conference that are pretty unsure of what they're going to do as far as postseason goes. Um, so it's very important whoever wins the the conference regular season title. Uh, UNCG and Furman are now going to be tied with the same number of losses with three and. Wofford and ETSU also have three losses, and they play each other uh, the game after uh, the next one. So it's going to be one of those things where it's uh, neck and neck in the SoCon. I think that UNCG, they're going to go home, they're going to lick their wounds, and they're going to come right back at it. Of course, today, uh, and this is kind of breaking news, um, they, they just lost and they scored 49 points, which is absolutely pitiful. Isaiah Miller was terrible. Uh, he's one of those guys that I really think has a chance to, to play at the next level um, if he so chooses. Uh, he's their best player. He definitely uh, ranks in the tops of a lot of national categories, too, in, despite coming from a mid-major. So UNCG were actually on fire, winning a lot in the conference. Now they uh, just took a horrible loss. Now going home, they're going to have revenge on the mind. I will take UNCG on the money line to bounce back. I don't think they're going to go one for 11 from three-point again. So um, 
And honestly, that's not a bad split for Furman. Uh, after having a massive home win against them, I think that they're going to you know, travel on the road. Really no problem if they lose that one on Wednesday um, because then they have a real soft spot of the schedule coming up with the rest of their conference until uh, the final game Saturday, February 27th against Wofford. So that's a, honestly an extended look ahead. Did a lot of SOCON breakdowns today. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be one of those things where I think UNCG, I love playing a team on the bounce back, especially a team that's supposed to win the conference. So uh, that will be on Wednesday. Uh, right now it's saying that's going to be a two-point spread. If it's anything more, I would suspect that it will – it should close around four, but then again, if people look at what happened tonight, they might back Furman. So if we could even get uh, UNCG at a Peckham or something, if the public reacts that way, that'll be even better. And now onto the uncharted waters of Thursday. Of course, uh, the, there's one that I really do like. Um, of course, I'm hoping that it opens at the number that I think. But we got the Memphis Tigers at minus seven. As I mentioned, Cincinnati are coming off a 25-day break uh, from COVID. They had multiple positive tests, so they only had one five-on-five -five practice in that span. And what did they do when they came back? They went 2-0 and in two road games. I really don't see that happening again. I watched most of the Temple game, and honestly, Temple's just not a very good team. Uh, they're a little bit scrappy, but uh, they really had a chance to win down the stretch. I believe uh, the scenario was 13 seconds left. They inbound. Uh, the player kind of drops the ball. Like, uh, I'm sorry. I, I'm not a. Uh, of course, I'm not a, prof a professional. I'm not even a collegiate athlete. Um, I I am pretty athletic though. I could have caught this ball. Uh, the player just dropped the ball and stepped on it. Uh, sorry, the name escapes me right now. But yeah, not only did he drop the ball, he whacked it out of bounds, stepped on it, and fell down. It was very uh, embarrassing. Cincinnati had a horrible showing from the free throw line um, in that game, which really kept Temple in it. So it's really one where Cincinnati won that one, which could potentially be a coin flip game. And then against Tulane, Tulane is a good free throw shooting team, and they were very subpar from the line. Um, a lot of front end of a one and ones didn't go in. There was a, a one of their players, uh, the name escapes me as well, um, that he was an excellent free throw shooter, shooting at 83%, and he missed two front ends of a one and one, which is actually kind of like a turnover in, in its own right. So Cincinnati, of course, were a six point home excuse me, road dog in Tulane, and they ended up winning by only four. Of course, I got the cover, but at the same time, I really think Tulane could have won that one. So now they're going to travel to Memphis. And Memphis is not, they're not a Tulane, and they're no Temple. It's one of those things where their home record is amazing. They're fifth in D1 home court advantage, according to Kempom, and they're fourth in defensive adjusted efficiency. I think it's one of those things where uh, their high press will definitely frustrate the Cincinnati ball handlers. They really don't have much as far as an offense. They kind of throw it to the hot hand to let him create. It's a lot of uh, ISO ball and one-on-one -on -one, uh, penetration, which I really think plays right into Memphis's defensive hands. So I got Memphis minus seven. I, I honestly kind of love that one. This is one where I'm not really too concerned about the number, despite it being a couple days away. So of course, as it gets closer, I, I believe I'm going to be recording on Thursday um, for the weekend kind of home stretch. So I'm going to be very interested to see how that one opens, but let's go Memphis minus seven for Thursday, February 11th. And then of course, my second play for Thursday is going to be Kansas minus 10. My numbers have 
14 and a half. Um, this is going to be another one where I really have no idea what this will open as. Uh, Kansas is playing Oklahoma State in a little bit. Like I had mentioned, Oklahoma State has the number one recruit in the nation in Cade Cunningham. He is the consensus number one pick overall in the NBA draft, more than likely. So um, Oklahoma State is also coming off a double overtime win against Texas, who are a very good team. I believe a top 10 team. Kansas, like I had mentioned, their first time out of the top uh 25 poll for the first time since 2009. So Kansas, it's really going to be interested and in how this line comes out on Thursday is really going to be predicated on what they do tonight. If they blow out Oklahoma State, I think that this line could open close to the 14 and a half that I have. Um, if they end up losing, in my opinion, that would be a bad loss, but not something that I would look to fade them for. So I would actually back them uh, against Iowa State, who uh, just really can't get out of their own way this year. They had a long COVID uh, layoff missing, or excuse me, not playing from uh, January 9th to the 25th. And then when they came back, they um, lost every single game. Uh, of course, they only have wins against Arkansas, Pine Bluff, who are ranked 353 in the nation, and Jackson State, who are also horrible. Both were home wins, which is pretty key because they are playing TCU on Tuesday and then a away home back-to-back uh, -back with Kansas. It's going to be one of those things where I think Kansas could come out. They play at home, depending on what happens against Oklahoma State. We get uh, kind of a high number here of people backing them or fading them, and then we can really make some money on Kansas. So it's going to be interesting. This is very correlated to what happens tonight, so I'm going to be watching along. And, of course, um, I wouldn't place it, or I don't think you can place this, until we know what happens uh, in tonight's game. So that's one that you should definitely circle. Let's see what that opens as. Um, of course, I think 10 is a sweet number. Um, of course, single digits, if it gets 9.5 or lower, I think that might be really cool. Of course, assuming that nobody, no key players really get hurt. So, as a recap, I have Arkansas, Tuesday, best bet, game of the month, more than likely. Well, actually, you know what? <laughs> Let's get off the fence. Arkansas, at Pickham, it would be my game of the month. So, anything under one possession or, yeah, three or lower, Arkansas, best bet. And, of course, that's happening on Tuesday. Bonus game, Colorado State, minus 16. I would play it up to 18.5. Wednesday, if you're not in New Jersey, Rutgers, plus 7. If you are in New Jersey, my other play would be UNC Greensboro money line uh, or minus two. Again, kind of same thing with uh, the Arkansas bet. Um, you know, I already gave rules for that too. Uh, and then, of course, Thursday, Memphis minus seven is dead set lock. And then Kansas, depending on what happens uh, with the lines. And of course, um, I know that I had mentioned some NHL off the top. Um, it's one of those things where. You know, we really pride ourselves in being experts, or rather, I pride myself in being an expert in some of these things. And NHL has really taken a back seat. I've done a lot of NFL. I've been watching a lot of NFL film. And, of course, uh, really trying to refine my model for college basketball. So, um, NHL, I haven't really do dove into the numbers. Um, I have a lot of, like, finger in the wind, like, bet blind type of things, which we don't really like um, because, you know, every dog has its day. But right now, my, my little nugget is going to be the Vancouver Canucks really can't play defense. Um, I heard that they changed... Uh, some of their mentalities, uh, and also another thing is I don't really know a lot of the X's and O's of hockey. I know kind of enough to, to sound educated, but not really enough to break down to the level that I do basketball or football. So I just know that Vancouver really changed up their defense a little bit, and they've been playing Brendan Holpe a lot. Holpe is playing really horribly lately, so it's one of those things where Vancouver, 
Um, of course, they play in a very hard division with a lot of uh, good offensive teams. Vancouver against some of these uh, powerhouses in their division, I just take the team total over, especially if, if um, Vancouver's on the road. Uh, Vancouver home games, you know, we haven't really seen a lot. They they beat the shit out of, the, of Ottawa, but then again, everyone does, so that doesn't really tell me anything. So Vancouver's a, a team that I've been making a lot of money off of uh, this year. So, of course... As the season goes on, I'll probably I might delve more into hockey, or I might just leave it. If you are a big hockey fan, and if you're a Canucks fan, you might just uh, decided to write me off because maybe I didn't sound educated at all. But it's one of those things where, of course, in order to place bets on it, we want to fully understand it. And I just haven't had time to make myself an NHL expert this year, um, so to speak. So gave you guys a lot of plays in college basketball. Gave you a lot of uh, just overall gambling tips, and of course, uh, you're going to be hearing from the rest of the crew. Coming up shortly, uh, we're going to have a full off-season repertoire for everyone to kind of wet your whistle in gambling and keep those bankrolls high. So, of course, uh, this was the Winning Ticket Podcast. We're having fun as minus 1,000. Thanks.